Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Sophie, I am so pleased to say that the sponsor for our first ever podcast episode is Kato Knives, who make exceptional kitchen knives using the sharpest Japanese steel and hand-carved, sustainably sourced wooden handles. Every knife is made by hand, tested by hand, and wrapped by hand. Oh. You can even have your initials engraved into the handles. How nice is that? Yeah, it's pretty nice. So whether you're wanting to upgrade your own kitchen knives, or you're searching for a brilliant gift for a foodie friend, then do check out Kato. And that's not all. The lovely listeners of this podcast can currently claim 15% off their first order. Just enter the promo code HAVING15. So to claim, you can visit Kato.shop. That's Kato, K-A-T-T-O dot shop and enter the promo code HAVING15. Thank you, Kato Knives, for sponsoring this podcast. Hello and welcome to I'll Have What She's Having, a food and drink podcast from me, Sophie Wybird. And me, Hannah Crosby. Every week, Sophie and I sit down to dinner. She makes a dish, I pair a wine and we put the world to rights. This week, we pair Sophie's crab and fennel tagliatelle with a Rathfony 2018 Blanc de Blanc. And we'll be talking about the crippling heat, the toxic men of Love Island, and of course, the Belarus national anthem. Well, how exciting that we're doing this at last. I know, the first ever episode. It does feel like it's been quite a long time coming. I feel like we've been talking about this for at least six months. I feel like the idea first planted when you came around here... The yes. first time ever, which would have been like last October, right? When I was a guest on your podcast. It was the depths of winter last year for sure. Can I, yeah, can I tell you a secret? Go on. I was really nervous. No, you weren't. I was Why? really nervous. Well, because I kind of like, we'd met, like me and Sophie had met at a party beforehand, like a press party that shall go on names. I was having a terrible time out because everyone was so <laughs> fucking unfriendly. I was sat in the corner, like I was at the school disco and no one wanted to dance with me. And then you just marched, you just marched right up. I marched right up. Han was honestly, it looked like she was hiding behind the door. <laughs> she was ready to go. I think your coat might have been on. You look like you're about yeah, to Yeah, my bounce. coat didn't really come off. I, but was... I spotted you and I was like, is that the Hannah Crosby? Oh, stop it. I'm going over. I'm going to go introduce it. myself. You're so cute. And here we are. Well, we met in the dead of winter and now we are live and direct from the hottest two days <laughs> the Brins ever had on record. Um, How have you been holding up at it? I haven't. I haven't been holding up very well. Last night I had possibly the worst night's sleep in recent memory. Same. Cam went down and slept on the sofa for the first time ever. I was outraged. Wait, you didn't have an argument. You were we just, didn't have an argument. He you know, was just too hot. It was like, I'm down. I'm going. We were, um, yeah. I, I think the thing about the building that I live in is it's like essentially a massive breeze block. And it does like this amazing job of like, I mean, if it's cold, it's great because it kind of like retains the heat from the day. Yeah. I walked to the bathroom at night and I kind of got like a little like breeze, like cool breeze crack like, from the window. I was like, what the fuck? How is it that cold outside, but it's still so hot in here? There is a fan that is like ridiculously noisy, but I honestly just can't be arsed. Well, two hottest days on record, two hottest podcast hosts on record. <laughs> I feel like, I don't know, what are people expecting from this podcast? Because I kind of put like a 
put a call out for letters, which we shall be reading le- later. And some of them are quite personal and intimate. They are. I'm quite looking forward to delving into those. You guys are trusting us to some quite big I problems. I feel like we're quite, we see we're coming across as like quite trustworthy people. I like that. I feel like that's the image we should be projecting. <laughs> exactly. I mean, it is a food and drink podcast, but who knows, it might like evolve into some kind of like... It's just going to be fully agony Relationship, on. agony on advice. We'll be throwing the food, the wine out the window as yeah. we're going. Speaking of the food and the wine, I just had my first mouthful of that delicious pasta that you just cooked. Oh my days. Yeah? I don't think you've ever cooked for me before. I don't think I have either. This might be the first thing I've ever made you. Yeah. We only ever see each other in kind of... Event capacity. Event capacities. Yeah. And never actually in a sitting down eating capacity. Yeah. So this is, So can you talk us through what we've actually got in front of us? I because, can. Oh my I thought this is a perfect kind of dish for the summery day that we have landed on. So we've mm. got basically a really lemony, crabby pasta. I've cooked down fennel really gently in loads of olive oil oh. with garlic, chilli, some cherry tomatoes, some white wine. And then we've got loads of crab, dill and lemon in there. Crucially, lots of lemon. Fuck. And then, yeah, tagliatelle, some really nice egg tagliatelle. It's so good. It's it a good summer pasta number. It is. It is. It's an... Oh, it's going to be so amazing. I'm going to be slurping up. So, yeah, we haven't really talked about how we're going to do actual eating on this podcast. Do oh, we, we need do to lots kind of, of like... asmr kind of... How's that? That I mean, that doesn't sound very good, does <laughs> Wait, it? I don't know, like, because it's quite like, it's not like that much of a... Can you hear that? You probably can't. <laughs> you I was expecting can. it to be squelchier. <laughs> so, like, how we're kind of, like, doing this pod is I'm kind of like initially picking a wine that I either have on the wine rack or has been kindly sent in which is the case this time and I'll get onto that in a little bit but I kind of like explain the flavor profile what kind of food like kind of set the brief and then Sophie has so perfectly filled the brief today um so the wine that we've got to pair with this and we wanted something like really crisp really clean like kind of like lovely citrus notes to complement the lemon something that's going to cut through the fattiness of the pasta so, Rathfinney, I don't know if you've ever heard of them. Have you ever had any of their wines before? I've heard of them. I'm not sure if I've ever had any of their wines. Well, I've... today is the day. I'm very excited. Um, so they make like low intervention, like traditional methods, Sussex sparkling wine. Um, usually they're all aged in the bottle for two to three years. This is their Blanc de Blanc, mm. which means that it's 100% Chardonnay. It's also the 2018 vintage, which is pretty special because it is like the best recorded vintage like in recent memory, like Every single winery has made like a 2018 vintage like sparkling wine in England pretty that much. That was a very lovely summer if I recall. It was a very lovely summer. It's made some very lovely wines. Um, It's pretty food friendly. I, I know like a lot of people don't, people usually think of like still wines as being like the food pairing wines. But actually sparkling wine is just so perfect as we'll see. I recently visited Rathfinney. I had a picnic there and it was so fucking gorgeous. I cannot even like they've... I was visiting lots of like really tiny little wineries and then you just kind of like come up to these like mammoth vineyards and these gorgeous rolling hills. Ooh. You can have a little picnic outside under these beautiful red umbrellas. It all feels very kind of like LA, except you're in Sussex. Um, also, something really cool recently happened where you know how like different kind of like French regions they'll have like, oh yeah, of course you do. You did a WSCT. Why do I always forget this? <laughs> oh yeah, disclosure, dear listener. Uh, I do food and hand as wine, but I also do have a sneaky WST qualification. I am, uh, this is actually abysmal. I've forgotten most of the stuff that I've learned, but I'm still a big wine enthusiast. So like you usually kind of have like... um specific laws or restrictions that kind of like different French wineries and Italian wineries usually have to kind of like subscribe to. Um, Now there has just been, I think it was literally about a month ago. Now we have our very own Sussex PDO. Oh, so it's like, it's like an AOC situation. It's official. It's an AOC situation. PDO, we can be like more guaranteed than ever, like how fucking good Sussex wine is. And also, I think that that kind of like coupled with the 2018 vintage kind of means there's never really been a better time to enjoy a glass of this. Do you know what I mean? I'm very excited. I'm a big fan of all the British sparkling wines. And this is not one I've tried before. So I'm very much looking forward to this. I'm going to try for another ASMR moment and pop the (laughs) bottle. This could go really well, but it's also been jiggling up and down in a DPD box. So yeah, we'll see how well that goes. Spray all over the pasta, all over the microphones. Go for like a Formula One type thing. Yeah, let's do it. This is a celebration day. I know. I thought that it'd be really nice to start with a sparkling wine, you know? Yeah. I, you know, on on other podcasts where they talk about your favourite food and drink and stuff like that. Yes. Um, 
I do think that if you had, did have to choose one drink to drink all the time, it probably would be a sparkling wine for me. It does go with Whoa! it. Whoa! It I goes with everything. Up. It does go with everything. And it's going to be such a nice wine paired with this. It's just a little bit of a celebration, you know. Yeah, there I feel like seafood, lemony food with sparkling wine is always a good thing, you isn't can't it? can't really go wrong. So thank you so much, Rathfinny, for sending this over. I feel like a very spoiled princess right now. What are you getting? Oh, it's got a really lovely mousse on top. Look at that. <laughs> Cheers, Han. Cheers, my dears. What a treat. I know. Thank you so much for agreeing to let me bully you to come on this podcast. <laughs> Thank you so much. I did not have so to be bullied. To this was a very mutual arrangement. So what have you been up to this week? This week? I f- <laughs> well, we're talking to you from the hottest week in the UK, as Han said earlier. It was 40 degrees yesterday, which is absolutely Unheard fucking of. nuts. Yeah. Um, but luckily, my lovely housemate, best mate, Kate, bought a paddling pool. So we've spent most evenings this week sitting in a paddling pool, glass of wine, little cig in the pool. Oh. It feels very continental, except we're somewhere in South London. Are you a habitual smoker? No. Okay. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a seasonal smoker. I'm an occasionally in a summer smoker. Oh, okay. Delicious. Understood. understood. I, when the vibe is right. But when you say paddling pool, it sounds like quite a big pool. I mean, I keep calling it the pool, but it's it's definitely a back. Yeah, 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 yeah. Me and Kim's going to go back. We're yeah, go we're actually pool. going back to our pool. Um, no, it is very much, you know, three people can sit in it kind of situation. It's perfect for our household. It's a good day. Oh, so good. So yeah, this week's been mostly sweating my ass off, uh, fearing for my life with forest fires in London. I, actually, I don't really know what I'm going to do. I feel yeah, like I need to make... S- in East London, in... um, Where was it? It was near Dartford. Weddington? <sighs> Was it it's called Wellington? I've never heard of Wellington before. I hadn't before. I saw it on the news yesterday. It was basically up <laughs> in that flames. A shame? That's what's made up it famous. Up in flames. Fuck. Yeah. Um, actually wild. It looked like something from wildfires you see in Australia. Or it's like freaking California. me out a bit that this is. I think I might have to run away to Scotland or something. Somewhere it's a bit cooler because, to be honest, my my Celtic blood is not really built for this climate. You've got Celtic blood. Do you, are you? Um, you know what? If you relocate, you might actually be able to vote in the referendum next year. That'd be cool. And I'd say, please stay away. <laughs> we can't bring politics into this, or maybe we will. Or maybe we will. Or maybe we will. You're still able to vote. I'm. St- or are you not? No, I'm not. I'm no, not. I'm not. I am. Listeners, I was born in Edinburgh. <laughs> I lived there for five years, but I think it's like university rules. Like you need to have lived there for two years or something before you vote on it. Oh, nasty. Which is bullshit, but it does mean I can get a sexy Scottish passport, which oh, is pretty cool. yes. It will also mean that um, when Britain, well, now that Britain has left the EU, if Scotland now leaves the UK... Then you will be entitled to EU privileges. I'll be entitled to EU privileges. But also, I'm just thinking about this. You know how, like, on the passport there's a crest? And I was quizzing Mm. my boyfriend about this the other day. There's the crest with the lion and the unicorn. Do you know why that is? No. Because the unicorn is the national animal of Scotland. I'd forgotten this. Why is it a unicorn again? I don't know. Tell me. I don't know. I think it's because it's like a... It's like a traditional Scottish mythical creature, obviously. I didn't know that the unicorn originated in Scotland. I think it's Not very... that I mean that the myth of the unicorn... I know that unicorns don't exist, I would like to And also, all unicorns are actually Scottish. <laughs> they don't exist. But I'm wondering whether when Scotland leaves, it's just going to have to be like a lion. Maybe they'll just like get the dragon to, st- get the dragon to step in. Yeah, the dragon's just going to have to get a bit bigger. And the dragon's going to look like, well, I was the second choice though. So he's going to have like a really like disappointed look in his eye. I realise I haven't probably eaten the food and drank. Yeah, this is this the thing. This beautiful blanc simultaneously. I'm going to give it a... How's it pairing? Oh, that is bloody lovely. I have a mouthful mm. of the right. pasta with that. Honestly, get in there. I feel like... It is yeah. really... I feel the dill, the lemon mm. and the butteriness of the Chardonnay is really... It's doing a lot for me right now. In off-menu, they obviously don't eat, so it's... Fine. But then in like things like Jay Rayner's podcast, where he literally is going out to lunch with someone. I actually love the eating noises in podcasts, but I'd be intrigued mm. to know you listening at home or your commute or wherever you are, whether you like eating noises, mm. because it's obviously not for everyone. And we might be really pissing you off with our slurping, mm. forks bashing, all that stuff. Because I've been watching ASMR since I was about 13. Right. You, I, I forget you're an early adopter. I did it before it was cool. I did it where I was like listening to it when I was revising for my GCSEs and was like, because I was a bit of a loser anyway at school, like let it be known. I don't think I've ever talked about this in a podcast before. I was a massive fucking loser <laughs> at school. 
So I was worried that if anyone found out my ASMR habit, they'd be like, oh, it's a sex thing. Well, that's the thing. I think you were considered a pervert if you were doing I thought ASMR. I anyway. <laughs> no, you, yeah, I you, think that's why you were you such a loner. <laughs> I was opposed to Shadow. No, it's the, the, I feel like when ASMR was first being talked about, it was always associated with being a sex thing. Yeah. It's actually just a... I remember first reading a Guardian article about ASMR and being like, oh, these are the things that have been like making my body tingly since I was a child. Do like, you get it? To, yeah, I do. You get... Oh, yeah, because I've yeah, got yeah. the exact same thing. I always thought it was like an arousal thing. Same, but then I remember reading about it being like, oh, there normal. is a legitimate reason for this. It was... I remember distinctly certain people's voices did it. Mm. Even at primary school, there was a couple of teachers who would speak and I'd feel my arms going tingly. Mm. I found it so relaxing. There you go. I think, yeah, for me, it was the first time I was in primary school where kind of like you're doing like a test in class and you put your hand up and the teacher comes and like explains it to you very deliberately and very softly. And I just like remember going, <gasps> oh, that feels so nice. nice. It feels so good. <laughs> but um, but no, apparently there's this thing like where you can get ASMR immunity. And I got it for a while because I was listening to it no. so much because I used to use it as a bit of like a stress buster. Ah, gotcha. And I was yeah. doing my exams and then suddenly like I just didn't feel it anymore. It's like when you watch too much porn, ironically. <laughs> and it just doesn't do anything for you anymore. How long a break did you have to take before it came back? To be fair, I take kind of like a few breaks these days. It's pretty difficult to listen to ASMR with a clear conscience when you're kind of like in bed with someone. It feels a little bit weird. <laughs> I think just I actually my did headphones it. now, babe. Yeah, I think I actually did it last night. I felt a little bit dirty, even Ooh. though it was literally just someone kind of like color matching like... Oh, the video I was watching it was someone making oh god this is so lame it was someone making a sandwich using a wooden kids toy set and they were like making like a wooden sandwich out of like felt kind of tomatoes and like yeah so if he's nodding right now like I'm gonna look that up that sounds great I love the sound of that <laughs> has mob ever considered doing ASMR I think we try and do kind of ASMR style videos where there's just food noises no music and they do tend to perform quite well really um, I guess it's not explicitly ASMR, but it's that kind of vibe. Mm. I don't think that cooking noises are as relaxing as people speaking voices or kind Fire of... Fire is never relaxing. No, I don't think it is. I think you're... I mean, as I'm sure the poor Wellington have learnt this week, it's yes. your stress response really kicks in, your fight or flight, and you're like, I don't feel good right now. Kitchens are full of hot and sharp things. Oh, yeah, God. I really felt for anyone who works in hospitality and restaurant kitchens this week because yeah. the beginning of this week must have been hell. I can remember when I worked in restaurants, hiding in the walk-in. You just go, I need to go and find some parsley. And then you just go and sit in the walk-in for five minutes. Didn't you do that anyway this week when you had your pop-up? Oh, yeah, I did. <laughs> yeah, it was a little... Blast from the past. It was a little blast from the past, yeah. I Yeah, I did my first supper club in a restaurant in years and years and years last week, which was so much fun. When was the last time you did one? The last one I did one must have been, I think it must have been about four years ago. Mm. And it was much smaller. It was for 30 people. This one was for 105 people. 105 is such a specific 105, it was specific. Because it wasn't one sitting. It was more of a, I took over the restaurant menu for an evening. So anyone who came to the restaurant got that menu. And it wasn't when it was 40 degrees, but it was definitely like 32. It was getting there. It was getting there. So I was doing a lot of hiding in the walk-in. To be fair... And you I weren't even cooking. I was. I was, to be fair. So I did I did the pop-up at Norma in Fitzrovia, which is a lovely Sicilian restaurant. Mm. It's so nice. And all the team there were just amazing. They did loads of prep the day before. And in the morning, and I came at about 10... And they very kindly put me under the only AC unit in the kitchen, <laughs> probably because they know that I'm fucking soft and haven't worked in a restaurant for years. <laughs> so they popped me under there. And I actually didn't even need to hide in the walk-in that much because I was under the AC. But honestly, all those guys at Norma, every part of the kitchen team, the front of house team, did such an excellent job of making that run smoothly. Yeah, shout out Norma et al. Love you guys. Mm. You did a supper club last week as well. I did. It wasn't really like... The funny thing about doing wine is that you're never really kind of like front and centre, which I suppose because I get like, if I haven't done one of these things for a while, I get really bad anxiety. So it's quite nice for the attention to all be on someone else. So I was doing a thing for um, Eat Planted, who are kind of like this 
meat substitute brand. And because um, they use like pea-based protein, it's fucking bananas. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll cook some for you at some point because it honestly comes apart it like looks it's crazy. chicken. It's so good. I like sizzled some up and I put some in like a noodle soup the other day and it was absolutely amazing. It like soaks up flavor really well. But um, they were doing like a... Uh, gastronomy, pantstronomy, I think they called it, thing with Gizzy Erskine, who I met for the first time. I'd never met her before, obviously heard. I think you've worked with her before I've worked with her before, yeah. Lovely lady. Shout out Gizzy. And um, yeah, so she was kind of like doing like a cookery class. She was doing two meals and then like four 30 seconds in between her cookery classes for like an hour and a half. I said, hi, I'm Hannah, here's a wine. (laughs) But I think the interesting thing is you usually like pair wines to with tannins to break down proteins in meat and break down like the sinew and muscly bit. So when something is like a meat substitute, how do you pair a wine with it? Yeah, I guess it's more about kind of the base flavour profiles than it is about anything else. Yeah, no, that was really But what good. kind of spiced food was Gizzy doing? Was she oh. really kind of... So there were two dishes. One of them was absolutely fucking bananas. It was like a mock duck. And how she managed Ooh. to get this... It was like the same meat. It was like the same meat substitute. Like it was like the kind of like classic thing. One of them was duck, one of them was chicken. And somehow she managed to get the duck to taste like duck and the chicken to taste like chicken. It was fucking bananas. Very clever. I've done a fake duck thing before. Yeah. For I did a vegan recipe for Mob where it was crispy duck pancakes, except it was just oyster mushrooms. Mm. The king oyster ones that you tear mm-hmm. into shreds and then you fry them coated in five spice and corn flour. And then you toss them in a bit of hoisin sauce mm. and... It is uncanny how much like crispy duck they taste. It's wild. It's all in the seasoning though, because I suppose yeah. you kind of like have those things in the back. Because when I think hoisin sauce, I don't really think of anything else. Yeah, exactly. That Just is that the association. association. Yeah. Also, duck's fatty. Like you need to inject fat into it. Mm. So deep frying a mushroom. Yeah, oh, that's the made- way. She said like can't really get like the crispiness with this product, so we're going to try and get like the fattiness of the duck. So it was a Thai duck and watermelon salad. Oh, delicious. Really good. And I paired it with a um, Pinot Noir by Claire Nodan, who I really fucking love at the moment. I feel um, like Thai food could be quite... Actually, a bottle in the corner, which is so good. Go on, get it. Um, show me. Well, I'll, I'll point there. The microphone's in the way. I'll point. I'll point. <laughs> you can see it. It says La Plante. Um, I don't so have my La Plante eyes on. is Burgundian for um, like young vine. Like All the vines are super young. But it's got like this super juicy, crunchy, summer berry character, which is amazing and pairs well with watermelon, but also like this smoky top note. I was like, okay, if something's going to be mock duck, it's going to have a bit of smoke. Yeah, for sure. And it's going to have like a little bit of like je ne sais quoi spice in there. Um, so yeah, that was the first dish. And then the second dish was these amazing chicken tacos, which I actually recreated yesterday with actual real life chicken. I'm sorry, eat planted if you're listening. Um, I recreated it with actual chicken. It was so fucking good. Like kind of like braise this chicken so you kind of got like this gooey taco sauce and then you um blacken um some pineapple slices mm, chop it up into pineapple. chunks chop it avocado into chunks and then that's kind of like your little limey pineapple so good so good and i paired that with a aligote which i actually no it's not an aligote it is a chardonnay that i cannot get enough of right now from Guazo. And everyone who follows me on Instagram will be sick to death of Domenguazo, but I'm not yet, so <laughs> you can have to weigh it up. Wine pairings with spicy food can be pretty hard. I feel like if mm. I'm having spicy food, I naturally gravitate towards having a beer. Yeah. I feel like lots of people just don't know which wines to go for in that scenario. Well, the thing is, is like spicy food, if you are kind of having like quite a dry wine, it can make the dr- the dry wine taste like fucking like arid. It, it gets so fucking dry. Like it becomes like vinegar. Like you want something with like, I was lucky in the sense that like those two dishes weren't like super spicy. It was more kind of just like, like a flavor bomb kind of, um, of like spices that weren't hot. If you yeah, have something exactly. that's like hot, then you can only really go for things with a bit of residual sugar. So that you're, yeah, you're sweet, such you're sweet a, boys. Yeah. You're sweet boys. You're like sweet Al- Alsatian wines. Um, yeah. I, do, I feel like it would have been really boring if I just came up with two I reasons. never say Alsatian. I always say Alsace. Alsace. <laughs> I feel like I want to get some Alsace merch. Oh, this one is so nice. This is days. exactly. It's so nice. There's currently... I'm glugging it. This isn't what you're supposed to do with a nice Blanc de Blanc, but... No, we're glugging it. It's fine. Um, there is... We have all the windows closed because there is currently a child's birthday party happening outside. <laughs> I mean, great for them, I suppose. You only turned three once, but fuck. I was... Uh, I was getting really nostalgic about my favourite birthday party ever the other day, talking to oh, yeah. my boyfriend. 
There was a place called TJ's Mini Gym in Crystal of Palace. Of course there was. It was the best place ever. It was basically a soft play centre <gasps> where there was a pirate ship where you sat to eat your little cheese on sticks and sandwiches and cocktail sausages after you'd been in the soft play. Mm. And it was the most iconic childhood party location of the 90s. Oh my God. If you grew up in South London in the 90s, you, you know, probably you know TJ's. went to TJ's Mini Gym. There was also a karaoke place opposite TJ's Mini Gym, Stop. which was, there was a doorway in the middle of, it's in Crystal Palace Park. There's just a doorway on a piece of concrete and you go down a flight of stairs and it took you into a karaoke club. And people had karaoke parties when I was, was like it now? nine. I tried to go down there the other day and it's nothing. It's just got like squatters living oh, in there and stuff. R.I.P. TJ's. Gutted. Yeah, bring back TJ's bring and back the karaoke TJ's. party. <laughs> my 30th is, I mean, it's not that fast approaching. I'm a year and a half off my 30th. Yeah. If I could do a TJ's mini gym B2B karaoke party. Maybe you should make it lazy. happen. Maybe you should it's recreate like it in your house. I'll do a, I'll do a, I'll do a GoFundMe. <laughs> A nice GoFundMe for my 30th. And you've turned 30 and you suddenly Bring back own this soft play centre. Oh, an I'll get adult you soft of it. play centre. There aren't enough adult soft play centres. Although, as an adult, does it lose some of its joy? Also, the phrase adult soft play centre sounds, sounds a quite bit sexy, weird. doesn't it? <laughs> I feel like it doesn't have quite the kind of the childish innocence of what the soft play actually is, which is snot everywhere yeah so, so we went to a restaurant on our second day and for our third day he's <laughs> taking me to an adult soft play center yeah it's fucking raunchy yeah yeah there must be an adult soft play somewhere i feel that's a room in bergheim it must be yeah oh my god have you played this game speaking of bergheim yeah no. we became obsessed with it at work it's like a how to get into bergheim <laughs> simulator where okay. i'm gonna send this to you Please. it's so good it's this website where it maps your face and your voice and it simulates you walking up to Bergheim and talking to the bouncer, Sven. And Sven asks you three questions and you have to... Basically, I cannot do it. I've tried about 15 times and I can't get in. Kate, Who got in? I don't know anyone who's got in apart from my best mate, Kate. Her friend from work got in twice. And no one else has been able to get in. Did anyone Saskia's from your work got get neck. in? No, none of us. We kept going into meeting rooms to try and... To try and see if anyone could get into Bergheim, oh, so, so and none of us funny. could. I'm, I'm going to try again tonight. I'm going to get my, my serious face on. Yeah, if you want us to do this uh, that game live as a bonus episode, <laughs> it's just going to be like two hours of me and Sophie just kind of like trying to get into. What kind of questions was it? They ask, uh, "Have you been here before? Uh, have you taken any drugs? Uh, who's your favorite DJ playing tonight?" Is that what they ask? There's loads of questions that they ask. There's a couple that I can remember. But it's it's like, do you play it cool and not laugh and just try and be the most serious person you can? Or do you be yourself and see if you and can get in crying. anyway? <laughs> Burst into tears. I haven't tried that yet, actually. Maybe you should when I'm next feeling a bit tearful, I'll give it a go. <laughs> Please let me in, Sven. I feel like we should get some show notes and we can link all the stuff that we talk about yeah, within I feel it. Like we should. I'll get the Bergheim simulator in there. You guys can all have a oh, go. That'd be amazing. I'm wondering, because we do have like a sheet where we kind of note 10 conversation topics just in case we kind of freeze up, which we're obviously not now. I think we've touched on about one of the 12 conversation <laughs> topics that we were meant to talk about. We've got a Tory leadership contest. Oh, fuck. Which I feel like is a bit of an obvious one. Well, it's just down to two as of today. As we've of got, about two hours ago. We've got fucking Dishy and fucking Liz. Yeah. A bad, a bad selection. I was about to call one of them Thatcher 2.0, but I was like, no, wait, that's Which both one? Of them. That's <laughs> Which both one? Of them. Um, I mean, we're stopped in a rock and hard place, really, aren't we, right now? It's going to be Rishi. It's going to be Rishi for sure. Um, and I don't think that's going to be a more positive experience than our Bojo experience. So. No. So cheers to all of us. I saw a great tweet. Well, I say great. <laughs> By great, I mean totally disheartening and terrifying. Hannah is a pro tweeter and meme sharer, just so everyone knows. You know what? I you find all the good ones. I don't have a Twitter. Well, you find all the good tweets somewhere on I the internet. I find the tweets on Instagram. Perfect. Um, there Even was better. a really sad and disheartening tweet saying, we're going to go from someone who is... Um, Stupid and evil to strategic and evil. Yeah, that's the thing. That's the thing. 
Also, I don't think Rishi's a compulsive liar, but I don't think he'd ever get caught. Yeah. Oh, also, just to note, this is not a Tory safe space. This podcast <laughs> is not a Tory safe space. I don't want to see any neggy reviews f- if you're... Uh, if you vote that way. If you're a Tory sympathiser, this is not, this podcast is not for you. <laughs> we want you to feel, if you want to listen, we want you to feel uncomfortable. Um, speaking of feeling uncomfortable, um, I know that you have very different taste in TV to me. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Well, what's your taste in TV? Tell the listener. Um, my taste in TV. So I like my fair bit of trash. I like kind of um, documentaries about cults. I also really, really like um, my favorite genre, and many of the people closest to me can attest to this. Very funny, but incredibly sad British TV shows, preferably on Channel Four. Yes, so yes. like Detectorists, um, Flowers, uh, Mum is one of my favorite things. They're all like ridiculously good. I really love them. Utopia, one of my favorite. Utopia was so <gasps> good. Utopia was one of my. Did you guys all watch Utopia? Is that something that... Because sometimes I talk to people about it and I feel like it's something that just happened to me. But honestly, the first episode I watched, I will have been about 14. This is giving my age away ever so slightly. But I remember watching it and just being like, this is unlike any script. I I don't know. Because one thing that I I say will tie together all of the TV shows I like is that I hate having things explained to me. I hate like thinking like... (laughs) Oh, I know where this is going to go. I'm really smart. Like, I know where this part, where this like story is going to go. I love being like surprised and being like outsmarted by a TV show. <laughs> Utopia was like that. It was like unlike any script I'd ever heard. The music was unlike the music anything was ever. So eerie. It was, was so eerie. This was like Utopia was the blueprint for a lot of Black Mirror episodes 100%. and a ton of things that have been since. Watch Utopia if you're a Black Mirror fan because this was pre that and it's fucking insane. If you want the general plot of Utopia yeah. to whet your appetite, um, it's basically about. Uh, I'm trying to even think about the best way to describe it without being a major buzzkill. It's about a, it's about a comic book, mm. which basically talks about a government conspiracy to basically kill a bunch of the population mm-hmm. um, to deal with issues of kind of overpopulation mm. so, around the yeah. world, and about a group of people who come together and discover this comic. It's so good. It's just like, honestly, a masterclass intention. I should remember watching that thinking like, what's going to happen next? Yeah. I can't genuinely can't remember the last time I was so on the edge of my seat. And it got cancelled after two seasons, which was a travesty. Did you see the American remake? No. It's so bad. It always is. They need to stop doing this. Because they're like, they don't recreate it scene for scene, which is fine. Because sometimes it can be a bit naff if you recreate something scene for scene. But like, they just recreate it in such like a bad way. Because obviously they're at Comic-Con. And like, it's just like, I just, my eyes roll back into my head so hard. I'm just like, ugh. It was so fucking annoying. It's, they did that with skins as well, didn't they? They lose all the nuance mm. for it being like quite rooted in British society. Yeah. And then it just That's becomes it so quite successful. a cringy thing where all the charm is taken out of it. Yeah. Yep, the, that's the, me. I bet you're wondering how I got in this situation, <laughs> which is pretty much every American remake. The US office, though, I'll give it to them. That's fucking funny. But to be fair, I'm not the biggest Ricky Gervais fan. So. I'm not the biggest Ricky Gervais fan. Yes! I've never seen the UK office. Shout out James A. Castor for slacking off Ricky Gervais while indirectly slacking him off in his latest comedy special. <laughs> but I was kind of, even though I kind of like saw an episode of The Office, I was like, I don't find Ricky Gervais that funny. Sorry, Ruka Gervais, if we ever meet, but I don't find you that funny. Um, and then my <laughs> boyfriend said, oh, you should watch the US office. I was like, well, the UK office wasn't that good. I highly doubt that the US office is going to be. And let me tell you why, babe. It's so fucking funny. I cried so hard. <laughs> oh, my God. It was so well written. It was so nice. And, like, one thing that I really find with, like, a lot of American TV shows is that it's that thing that's that come, come back to that same thing that I don't really like. Like, I hate things being, like, unsubtle and having to be explained to me. I kind of, like, very subtle, like, British TV. But, like, some of those scenes are so well done and so poignant. And I just, I was just weeping. I was like, oh, this They're is so, so good. good. So good. That's an excellent evaluation of all your TV, your TV loves. What about you? I'm purely into trash right now. I go, go through on. phases, but right now I mostly want to watch incredibly escapist reality TV. I got really into Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. Mm-hmm. I got very into the new Kardashians. Okay. Um, 
Made in Chelsea, I started watching again after... I used to watch that. I did about 10 years ago. No, a bit less than that, maybe like eight years ago. I started mm-hmm. watching it when I was still at uni. And then at some point in lockdown, we started watching it again. And I was just living for the drama of all of it. No, I really like Made in Chelsea. It's It's got good, really good again. The other one, which is... This one is actually quite... Is it lame? No one one watches it. Uh, It's an ITV2 reality show called, well, it was called The Mummy Diaries with Sam and Billy Fares, who were once both on The Only Way is Essex. Um, And I don't know many other people who watch this apart from my household. We're obsessed with it. It's one of those TV shows which is so mundane that it just warms your soul. It's what we watch on like a Saturday morning when we're a bit hungover. Mm. You make a sausage sandwich, you have a cup of tea, you sit down on the sofa Mm -hmm. and you watch these like two quite normal families just going about (laughs) their life. It's just like in today's episode, they're going horse riding and then a whole season will build up to like somebody's birthday party. It's wild. It's the best TV ever. In this vein though, what I'm watching at the moment, which is fucking rolled me up so much is Love Island because it's summer. Okay, so I want to talk to you about this because I haven't watched Love Island since the Chris and Cam era. That's the last series I watched You're a wise woman. You're a wise yeah, woman. Yeah, like quit while I was ahead. I was like, honestly, this can't get any better. It cannot get any better than two white boys freestyle rapping Rita, it with didn't. no one else around. <laughs> Nothing can get better than this. And it, as far as I'm concerned, it didn't. But no, it hasn't. This season is so bad and the people are so deplorable. It's kind of good. It's, I thought it was good telly for a bit, but this week I've, I think I've reached the end of my tether with it. On Love Island, there's basically this group of men who are all the men in Love Island, seemingly. Mm-hmm. None of them are good guys. They all behave as though they're 14 year old boys at school, is uh, the only way I can describe I it. Those. They're all bullies. They're bullying each other. They're, openly slagging off the girls all the time to their faces behind their backs to the point where it is it is just bullying they're all they're all getting with people behind people they're coupled up with backs and then really gaslighting them about the appropriateness of that I saw the lick the tip bit the lick the tip bit I mean, or whatever <laughs> I licked at it or whatever or whatever which is Iconic. the key message oh. I mean bizarrely that couple might actually win it because the other men are so deplorable. Mm. Andrew is arguably the least bad of the bunch. But that's what dating's like when you're a certain age. Oh yeah, 100%. You're dating someone and you're like, oh, he's kind of a terrible person, but at least he's not like so-and-so who did this. And you're like, actually, they're still a pretty... You kind of look back and you're like, how the fuck was I dating yeah. that person? Honestly, I, I'm watching back... I'm watching Love Island and it's making me think back to all the really fucking nasty guys back at school, guys mm-hmm. who were in your class or guys that you fancied yeah. and thinking that that was normal behaviour yeah. from people that you fancied and now looking back on it as an adult who is in a pretty... Terrific relationship. Is in a good relationship who, like, we know each other's worth and treat each other nicely. And these guys are just so horrible to the women. I can't believe it. Women's Aid have put out a statement again about the way that the men have been treating the women. And you know what's even weirder? Was Adam Collard in the season that you still watched? No. But is he, is he the guy that came back? He's the guy the that came back. The first time he was on was the last time that like Women's Aid said something. Exactly. This is what I don't quite get about the whole thing is that Women's Aid put out a statement about this guy three years ago when he was a contestant about... That is when the word gaslighting really came into oh. the public sphere. Um, because he was really gaslighting all his partners on the show. Mm-hmm. Um, and Women's Day put out a statement, he went out, we thought that was the end of it. He's now come back this season about three, four years later, and it looks like he actually might win. Fuck. He's coupled up with someone immediately. And you just think, why have you brought in someone who a domestic violence charity has literally had to put out a statement about? It's it shows so... a real lack of care towards the female contestants on the show. And I'm not yeah. sure I want to watch it anymore because it's making me feel a bit, a bit icky. Ugh. There was a really good, I don't know if you saw um, Reggie Yates's directorial and writing debut. I haven't watched it Make yet. Make me famous. I'm I cried. desperate. I cried. This is going to be a developing theme on the podcast, just me crying <laughs> at everything. Honestly, it is so good. It's kind of like, for people who haven't seen it, it's centred around, like, the Love Island experience. Like, it isn't saying that it's Love Island, but essentially, like, it kind of, like, 
it's I think it's like a feature length, like kind of like TV like special. And it starts with like this guy's interview from going on like a Love Island-esque show. And then it kind of starts with when he leaves. So you never actually see him on the show. You just either see him in his interview, which is kind of spliced in. But then you kind of see him at the start of him exiting the show. Um, so it's so fucking just depressing. Just the aftermath of the journey. Like the breakdown of his relationship with the girl that you kind of like coupled up with on the show. Um, he'll be having like a mental like booze and drugs hell. Like he'll be having a mental breakdown, be so depressed, be suicidal. And then an alarm will go off on his phone. He'll like turn on Instagram, be like, hey guys, it's me again. Remember to like drink your protein shakes and use my code. Da, 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 da. Jesus. It is harrowing. It is so harrowing, but it is so wonderfully done. Like props to Reggie Yates. Like it's a very nice kind of like first debut. I absolutely have to watch this. You do need to watch it. That sounds great. I feel like when both of our jobs hinge to some degree on social media, mm. it's kind of important to check in and watch stuff like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, that's so true. That's so true. I mean, I don't know if I would ever advertise protein shakes because... Oh, no, I absolutely not. I, I, I'm not interested in bulking up <laughs> any more than I already have. Um, I just want to eat a bowl of pasta and chill, yeah. to be honest. Speaking of bulking up, I went for my first ever PT session last week. <laughs> How was it? It was actually really nice. You know, I had um, lovely Adam recommended to me, kind of works around um, the, like the London Fields, Broadway market area, obviously, because I'm an East London girl. Um, <laughs> I had him recommended to me as kind of like a nice, non-problematic male PT. I was like, mm. how unproblematic can he really be? As, as, like as that- a man, how unproblematic <laughs> can you really be? And let me tell you, He's very unproblematic. He's such I love a sweet that. boy. He's really nice. He like gave me a double high five anytime like I did anything. Like I took a glug of water and he gave me a high five. He yeah. Didn't but like, I was just like, oh, stop praising me for doing the bare minimum. <laughs> stop being so lovely. Um, but it was really good. I'm actually going to get back next week. You know, I've got a little bit of a little bit of a bug. How often are you going to see him? Once a week. Love that. Do you want to come? I feel like I do need to come, to be honest. <laughs> I I have a very love-hate relationship with the gym. I go through... I hate the gym. I basically go like once every two weeks for a couple of months and then I don't go yeah. and I just eat all the so time. I'll I, go one of these days. I respond, so I hate the gym. I get there and then there's like, I'll be like starting on the treadmill, I'll be like five minutes and I'm like, yeah, this is good. I'm in the gym. I'm burning calories. I've burned two calories so far. <laughs> and then the little voice in my head will be like, Hannah, why are you doing this? Are you doing this so that you look nice? People who actually love you already think you look nice. Like, I'm a feminist, okay? I don't need my body to be You're getting bored, Hannah. Isn't your friend around the corner? Didn't your friend invite you for a pint 10 minutes ago, <laughs> Hannah? And then I'll just like get off, like not make eye contact then with anyone and just leave. Run. But the reason that I decided to do a PT is because I respond very, very well being an eldest child and being a fucking do-gooder in school, I respond incredibly well to the idea of letting someone down. Oh, yes. So if lovely, lovely Adam is on my WhatsApp saying, hey, man, can't wait to see you later. I'll be like, oh, I can't let lovely Adam down. So I go. <laughs> and then because he's so lovely, I want to like keep going and yeah. like not disappointing him. Because like I get the sense that he wants me to do well for myself. It's so, the gold star thing. It's, the, it's like you got the gold star. We've talked about this before. The gold star. We both need people to give us gold stars yeah. all the time. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what is. It's yeah. a product of so many things. It's a product of many things. But I just always need people to give me a gold star at the end of any task. Yeah. And tell, yeah. Me, tell me I'm a good girl. Yeah. I, I need... <laughs> <laughs> Pat my I need head and someone, say you're a good girl. I need someone to tell me I'm a good girl. I need someone <laughs> to give me a gold star. I think it's kind of, yeah, it is definitely kind of like a, um, obviously, disclosure. My parents are absolutely amazing pa- parents. Shout out Brian and Nikki. <laughs> but it's like that eldest child thing where you're kind of like, oh, there are these two younger, cuter siblings who have got all their attention. It's just like, I'm going to overachieve and everything. Give me a gold star. Do you know what? I think it's the same thing with me. Disclosure, mum and dad, you're the best. But I've got four sisters. Yeah. So it's like big family clamouring for... Mm. clamoring to be the one who was the star of the show that day yes. so to be told you did well a good done. job at that yeah. feels really great when you've got four other people jumping to be told that at the yeah. same time it's when you accidentally call Ben daddy that you need to be worried <laughs> really good good work on Fresh Mob Sophie thanks daddy um, maybe Hannah cut that out to- <laughs> 
Actually, I don't know. Will Ben Labus be? He probably will listen, to be honest. Oh, bless him. I reckon he will. I'd be actually quite offended if he didn't. Should, should we keep it in or should Love we put it me, out? Love me, daddy. <laughs> Speaking of things that sound like Labus, um, did you know <laughs> that the Belarus national anthem is called My Belarusy? No, it's not. How does it go? What are the lyrics? Um, Can we find out? <laughs> is it kind of just like a cover of WAP? But in like, my Belarusy. Did I ever tell you about the time that me and my sister did a dance off to WAP to see who'd win a family quiz? And no. my sister's now husband filmed it and tried to send it to my family chat but instead sent it to his family chat <gasps> with all of his, his, he's a, his parents oh, no. are farmers from Suffolk and a slightly less like <laughs> wop dance offy than my family are. The full routine, Ellie thrusting, thumping on the floor to her future in-laws. <sighs> oh, that's spicy. It was really funny. <laughs> so my Belarusi actually translates to we Belarusians, Belarusians? <laughs> We Belarusians are peaceful people, wholeheartedly devoted to our motherland. We are faithful <laughs> friends growing up, living in a hardworking and independent family. I feel like it loses something in translation. This, it doesn't feel very WAP to me. Wet ass Belarusian. <laughs> uh, yeah. I feel like they need to shape up these lyrics a bit in the wake of WAP and just kind of... Yes. Glory to the blessed name of our land. Glory to the brother of the union of peoples. Our dearly beloved motherland. May you live long and prosper. May you live long and prosper, comma, Belarus. (laughs) (laughs) Perfect. Ask for a car while you ride that dick. I feel like that needed to be sexier to be called my Belarusi or whatever it was called. <laughs> um, I'm wondering if we've got anything else to talk about. I feel like we've done pretty well. Benefer. Oh my God. Yeah, this is one of my favourite news stories of the week. I mean, I feel like it's just a silver lining story that the world needs right now in the wake of forest fires in London, etc. It's like when the BBC do like all the doom and gloom things and like, and now for something a little bit funnier. Exactly. How nice that uh, Ben Affleck and Jennifer, I was about to say Jennifer Aniston, that would have been the other <laughs> That would have been the curve, curveball. <laughs> like, woo. Yeah. And J-Lo, mm-hmm. ben, ben Affleck and J-Lo have reunited after... 20 years after their first engagement and they just got married in Vegas. I think that's fucking lovely. So sweet. I'm not sure... I mean, J-Lo's obviously an icon. She's an incredibly beautiful, talented woman. Yes. I feel like Ben Affleck's a bit of a sack. I feel like it's not very hard to marry and fall in love with J-Lo. Yeah, and I just wonder what Ben Affleck's bringing to the table here. But I'm hoping that it's more than just nostalgia for their relationship when they were in their, you know, 20s, 30s. Because it's brought up a lot of interesting discourse because now a lot of people are like, oh, maybe I should give my ex another go. <laughs> like, it's like, it's brought up something really interesting. And then, like, I read, like, oh, like I get all of my, like, psychology stats from Refinery29. <laughs> As you like should. Like, any good female Londoner. Um, yeah, Refinery29 kind of, like, posted this thing about, uh, yeah, reasons that you should get back with your ex and reasons that you shouldn't. Um, because it's kind of now like romanticizing this idea of like finding love after you love the first time. And yeah, but a lot of people might be like, oh, well, they only shagged three of my friends. Maybe I should give it another go. <laughs> I am personally of the belief that you should normally leave your ex in the bin where you put them. Yeah. But I don't know if I'm just a fucking savage. Mm. Mm. Do any of them deserve another chance? A couple of them might do, but I'm happy with my lot, to be honest. You don't always actually think, speaking of exes, the other day I was listening to Sicko Mode for the first time in a wee while. And um, there is a line where he says, I might take all my exes and put them all in a group. Because Ooh, yeah. like, his like, because um, like, yeah, the idea is that like a lot of his girlfriends he's made off from records he produce. And hey. then he might take all his girlfriends and put them all in a group. And I was like thinking, would all of my exes be a good band? <laughs> Who'd play which instrument? Um, for off this, podcast. Is, this, this is the thing. This is the thing. A few of them have been musicians, a few of them haven't. So I'm going to put it out there and say no. 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 
I actually think that all my all my significant exes have some kind of musical ability. Mm-hmm. They actually would be a really good band. Yeah. There's a band. <laughs> would you listen to them? No. What kind of... <laughs> What kind of music would they? Would it just be like, Sophie, take me back? <laughs> so we didn't got, mean it, Sophie. We've got a bass player slash quite good singer, to be fair. Mm-hmm. And then we've got a pianist. Nice. Slash kind of electronic producer man. And um, so my what, first boyfriend is, he's definitely, <laughs> uh, I love the, f- I mean, he was a bit of an arsehole. I feel like he has the like kind of, uh, band lead singer charisma yeah. yeah that you would want what if they were all kind of like at the ages at which you dated them <laughs> so we've got the age when we broke up maybe or the yeah. age so we've got a 17 year old okay a, a 20 year old okay and a 25 year old that which sounds <laughs> weird but then you can also remember the lmfao um the so there's the main guy the other guy's his uncle. No, yes. you're joking. No, I'm not joking. How much older is he? I don't. Okay, right. Let me consult. We need to consult. I old never mother knew laptop. this. That is wild. Yeah, so I think his name is like Red Foo. LMFAO. I've not thought about them for a while. I think they. I think they have potentially retired on their millions. Um, I mean, yeah. You, you just have to have a party rock anthem, and then you're good to go, right? The last time, I, when I was in Marseille last month, I heard Party Rock is in the House tonight. And it was the first time I'd heard it in quite a wee while. Right, so I feel got, like it would like bring, bring a fire up in my belly. I'd be ready for it. So they, as a band, according to their... Oh, I, I, I read something completely different. So they've only been active for six years and now they're on a hiatus. So they will be back, guys. Fear not. Oh. <laughs> so Redfu Stefan is 46. The main guy's 46 now. Which is Whoa. bananas. To Wait, me. how old was he when he wrote Party Rock Anthem? Too old. <laughs> 34. You know what this means? We can still write a Party Rock Anthem. When he says Party Rock's in the house today, he actually means in bed. Everybody just have a good time. And Sky Blue was 35. Wait, where did who told me it was, it was his <laughs> uncle? <laughs> oh, yeah, no, so, so the main guy is the other guy's uncle. What? That's why I thought it was the other way around because he looked so youthful and he was the one that was dancing. No, he was just a very lively uncle. <laughs> I can't imagine Maybe. forming a band with any of my uncles. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> oh, what the hell? He's the youngest son of Motown Records founder Barry Gordon. No, he's not. Yeah. Why did he make Party Rock Anthem then? <laughs> he had so he, many choices. Sky Blue is the son of Red Foo's half-brother. Whoa. So yeah, it is uncle and son, but just not the way around that I thought. Jesus Christ, my mind has been blown. Could you start a band with your uncle? Maybe my dad's twin brother. He's okay. probably my lo- most likely one that I'd start a band with. Yeah. Or my mum's big brother, Adam. They'd be my two choices. Could you sing a song called I'm Sexy and I Know It with them? <laughs> probably not, but I might be able to do it with my aunt. Mm. I feel like my aunt would be down. Mm. Aunt Jay. Shout out Aunt Jay. How's the wine going down? Absolutely wonderfully. I feel like we've drunk quite a lot of it. I feel like it's <laughs> probably... excited. I feel like, <laughs> I think we need to wrap up the conversation part. Excellent. And so very sweetly, I think for what I think is going to be like the first of many agony aunt things that will probably become a very growing segment. <laughs> to be fair, I feel like we have talked for a wee while. Uh, so we have three letters. We've got... Excellent. A short one, a funny, playful one, and a little bit more of a serious one. Should we go... Should we do a serious sandwich? We'll do a serious sandwich. Okay. So let's start with um, this lovely lady who wishes to remain anonymous. So she says, hello. Hi. <laughs> Hey, hello. I'm going into my fourth year at Edinburgh mm, in September and studying anthropology, which Ooh. is what me and Sophie both studied. So you couldn't have written into a better pair. We're ready. I'm, I'm studying anthropology, but I don't feel like I'm academically up to the task in the fourth year. For full disclosure, any internationals, Edinburgh has four year courses as opposed to three year, which is what you have in England. I think lockdown definitely didn't help. I had previously dealt with stress by just continuing to keep going. 
I never saw giving up as an option, but a worldwide pause and all of my uni work was just cancelled and wasn't really picked up again until the following September. It's all left me in a bit of a rut and I can't seem to get out of. Oh. I have one more year left, but it's the hardest one. A final few essays for this time is due next week. I managed to get extensions, but it's almost proving impossible. Without wanting to sound arrogant, I don't know if this is necessarily a capability thing, but more of a confidence motivation issue. In my experience, not believing in myself has been crippling in terms of getting things going again, especially since everything else picked up. I feel so out of swing with the rest of the world that's getting going again. I'm sure I'm not the only one. How do you know if dropping out or continuing is the right decision for you? Oh, babes. God, that's a really hard one. It is so difficult. But also it's a thing that lots of us have wrestled with in the past. And I know that you've got some things to say on it, yeah. in particular. I studied anthropology at university for a year. I did English for one year. Um, I switched to anthropology and then I did anthropology for a year. And then it turned out that university just wasn't really for me or perhaps a specific university that I'm at. And this is all taking a very serious turn. I'm like, time to unlock the trauma. No, well, as we say, kind of like eldest child and like high achiever at school, I kind of had like a similar thing to you, lovely listener, where I didn't, necess- didn't necessarily feel like it was a capability thing. It was definitely kind of like a motivation and confidence thing. I think perhaps you kind of maybe need to think about where you want to go. For me, I dropped out because I felt like I could get to where I wanted to be without a degree. But it honestly depends where you want to be. If it's like completely crucial to you, like getting where you want to go in the future, then maybe it's just like worth sticking it out for another year and getting a 2-2. It's so dependent on that, isn't it? I feel like I, within my degree, I just did it for the sake of it. And but so I, many people do. And so many people do. Like I know that my school and so many schools don't really tell you anything else to do. They're just like, go to uni and you're like, okay. Yeah. Um, I can tell you that I haven't used my degree once since I entered the world of work. I don't think anyone's asked to see my GCSEs, let alone my yeah. degree. No one cares. Um, it really depends on what you want to do. There is no shame in not doing it if you don't want to and mm-hmm. if it's a motivational issue then it probably means Join that it's just not for you yeah i think when you really <laughs> care about something you're generally really motivated to do it mm-hmm. and if you're not even at this late stage in your degree there really is no shame in just saying i actually don't want to do this anymore yeah um and there are so many cool creative industries and otherwise that you can pursue yeah that definitely do not require you to have it and also everyone and their mum graduates with a degree. Like the job market is still ridiculously competitive. Also, if you've gotten to three years at Edinburgh Uni, which by the way, I got rejected from twice, despite <laughs> it being my hometown. So I'm jealous. If you're already on your third year, you've already got all the tools. You are already clearly like incredibly intelligent to get accepted in the first place. You've got an incredibly academic mind. Those skills aren't going to disappear the second you drop out, should you choose to do that. You're still going to have all of the same skills. It's just about getting that piece of paper. Now, For sure. it just depends whether that piece of paper is going to help you to get where you want to be. Also, the emotional intelligence to recognize the feelings in yourself that you might not want to pursue something anymore. Mm. Um, that That is going to prove to be so valuable in the workplace, mm-hmm. no matter if you finish your degree or not. The fact that you know yourself and that this might not be what you want those, that skill is going to be so valuable to That's you. so brave. I was like, honestly, anonymous. I was so, so scared about dropping out. I honestly was just like so terrified. I like now on my CV, I say that I've only got a diploma, but I don't think anyone checks anymore. But don't like, <laughs> <laughs> I just, you know what? I just wrote Durham University 2-1, which is what I got in my first year. Um, now I write 2-1 diploma because the experience that I have people care about so much more and is like it's honestly a lot of career stuff is right place right time oh yeah just use your tenacity to be in the right place make it the right time yeah meet the right people yeah get to where you want to go I hope that helps anonymous um sending you lots of love please send in a follow-up email let us know how you get on please I'd love to know what you decide I want to know how this story and we're here to hang if you need okay so Alex gets in touch. Hi, Alex. Um, this is one for you, Soph. How Ooh. do you eat seasonally on a budget? 
Are supermarkets or local shops the way forward? Ooh, this is a great question. I think eating seasonally on a budget, lots of it relies on having a really good store cupboard. So I would say in your local supermarket, make sure that you've got an excellent range of store cupboard ingredients, you know, your carbs, your condiments, all the things that you might need as the base of a meal. And then to eat seasonally on a budget, I really, I really just recommend having a well-stocked store cupboard and going to either your local greengrocer or supermarket and just buying a couple of vegetables that are in season every week. Because I feel like so many people fall into the trap of buying, I'll buy all of this seasonal stuff and then it all goes rotten. Exactly, exactly. I would much rather, if you have a well-stocked store cupboard, none of that's going to go off. So you're dodging that food waste conundrum. And instead, you're relying on a handful of fresh ingredients that generally don't cost too much because when you're eating seasonally, you're eating in a much more cheap and sustainable way. Um, And then, basically, you... Okay, I'm going to find an example. So, you have a well-stocked store cupboard. You've got, you know that you've got some giant couscous in the cupboard. Mm -hmm. You know that you've got some nice vinegar and olive oil and some mustard to make a dressing. You go to the supermarket. It's July. You think, ooh, what am I going to go for today? You get a punnet of tomatoes, some feta and some parsley. Those ingredients are going to cost you probably less than four quid. Mm Mm-hmm. And with that, you can make a really plentiful meal that will feed you for several days with some giant couscous, a really nice thingy dressing. The store cupboard is your friend in budget cooking. Mm. I tend to use cans of beans, carbs, all that kind of thing. Filling stuff. The filling stuff to bolster the really fresh seasonal stuff. That would be my best tip. Fabulous. Hope that helps. Um, Sharon gets in touch finally. This one honestly made me laugh. I don't know whether it's meant to be funny or not, so I'm so sorry, Sharon, (laughs) if I laughed really inappropriately. But um, it kind of gave me a bit of the giggles. But anyway, hello, ladies. Hello. Really looking forward to the first episode of this podcast from two amazing Insta babes. Aww. That's nice. So I have a little dilemma. My fiancé and I have been together for almost five years and live together in our own place for just under one. I cook most of the time in our house, as I've been cooking for a really long time and I can do it a lot quicker and more efficiently. He wants to cook dinner sometimes, but either takes too long to do things or gets a bit excited with spices and sauces and goes overboard. He doesn't want help. (laughs) Full stop. (laughs) What do I do? (laughs) (laughs) Thanks in advance, Sharon. Oh, Ooh. it's such a fine dance. It's a ballet, isn't it? I like feel like the... there is so much of me in this, which is the control free <laughs> cook who uh, thinks that they can do everything best. Mm. Uh, and even if you can, you need to give other people a chance to flex their creativity mm-hmm. and have a go at the cooking once in a while. So you have to fight the demon in you who tells you that you're the best and mm. sit down and let someone else do it. And it normally is bloody delicious. You just have to relax. Yeah. I've got a really good bit of advice, Sharon. Get in loads of recipe books of things that you really want to eat. Yes, that's an excellent shout. Have you done this? No, I haven't done <laughs> Who does most of the cooking in your house, you or your partner? Uh, I feel like it's a bit of an even split. But before I got with my current partner, I thought I was a really good cook. And then the first time that kind of like I had a meal here, he cooked me like a 24-hour ramen. I was just like, fuck sake. <laughs> I'm an fuck idiot. Sake, I'm an idiot. I can't cook for shit. Um, so like everything I do is like seems really bland in comparison. But um, no, I, I would say the like, I don't know, depending on which is coming sooner, birthday or Christmas, be like, oh my God, babe, I got you something I think you're really going to like. It's a, it's a cookbook. <laughs> and you know what? It would make me so excited if you cook me any of these meals. I would love you forever. Please. Cookbook Please. recommendations, Hannah. What are you um, saying? Tell you what, we went to a cookbook launch last week. We did. It Even was though we vowed great. to not talk to each other before the podcast. So it's still <laughs> things to say, but somehow we're kind of managing it. And we went to the lovely, 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 my ex-podcast guest, Easter Belfridge. Mezcla is out now on all streaming platform <laughs> um 
And it is absolutely insane. The flavour combinations you just wouldn't even think of, but she has thought of because she is amazing. It is one of the cleverest cookbooks I've ever read. I've read it cover to cover several times mm. since it arrived. I just can't believe that someone's brain works like that yeah. and makes things that are that delicious. It is mind-blowing. That's such a good way of putting it. Also, Easter, a bit of feedback. There are very few photos of you. I was buying... <laughs> I, I got a cookbook from you because I wanted to see your sexy face in print, but... Guess I have to deal with all these amazing recipes instead. <laughs> um, get Mescal, get Ottolenghi, actually. Yeah, get. I mean, Easter's previous book, Flavor with yeah, Ottolenghi. That was yeah. goody. Just get all the Easter shit. Um, I'm really into the A to Z of Pasta by Rachel Roddy. That's mm-hmm. a really lovely book. L. Silcox, Salads Are More Than Just Leaves. Salads Are More Than Just Leaves. So yes. good. Because I think the key with your fiance, Sharon, is that. What I'm hearing is that you want simplicity. You don't want him to go crazy. So if you kind of like get cookbooks where like Easter's and like Elsa's, you just have like really simple, easy to execute recipes that you can follow to a T. Yeah, And not that's go too crazy. Because also I feel like Easter's recipes are so ingenious that you don't really feel like you have like the mental capacity to add any extra panace to them. Oh, you so literally can So you can can't. like be pretty sure that he's going to follow everything by the book. Ben Lippitt did this the other day. He cooked a recipe from Mezcla where he was like, I'm going to do it to a T, even though he's a chef who obviously would put a lot of his own flares on things lots of the time. He said he cooked it to the letter, all the timings, all the temperatures, and said it was flawless. There was nothing he'd add. And if a proper chef says that, that probably means that someone who isn't a proper chef also would not need to add anything. Mm, It's great. Okay, that's... That, I hope that helps, Sharon. And I think that's all we've got time for. I think we have run over massively. Um, but we hope you've enjoyed the first episode. We will be back for many, many, many more. Um, as always, please do send us um, any other Agony Aunt Q&As, whether that's about food, about wine, about relationship, any university of any issues. Of we'll be very happy to offer our unsolicited advice. And also, if you could be kind enough to leave us a review, like, subscribe, give us a five stars, all of the above, that'd be wonderful. We're eternally grateful for you. And the next time that we see you, if you tell us, we'll have no way of checking, but if you tell <laughs> us that you've rated us five stars on Apple Podcasts, we will buy you a drink. And give you a big cuddle. And a big cuddle. There you go. It's an offer you can't refuse. <laughs> all right. See you next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.